Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. to disrupt the election uh, and cause confusion. Well, hacking has been, uh, as long as we have uh, computers, uh, the concept of hacking has existed. Uh, Hacking is when someone gains an unauthorized access to your computer or your devices. Most of us, we have phones. Uh, Virtually all of us, we have at least a phone, even if you don't have a computer. So when someone finds a way to gain access into that, your system, that is called hacking. That means they hacked into it. You did not give them the access. Somehow they found a way, sometimes violently. You know, they find a way to just uh, to get in there. Sometimes they get in there simply by deceiving you. Uh, There are all kinds of ways. Sometimes you get emails. This is called phishing, right? You get an email where you open your email and they put some software in there that can access your computer. Sometimes they have malware. They have all kinds of ways to get into your device, to get into your system. And as the world gets more and more computerized, many of us, we bank online now. We keep all, a lot of our information on the computer. If not on the computer, on our phone, most of us, our bank account. We access that, you know, through our phone. So the business of hacking has become much more lucrative. Uh, There is individual hacking. There is also hacking into big businesses, Uh, banks, healthcare companies. Almost every company spends millions and millions of dollars every year to prevent their computer system from being hacked. Now, why do people hack? They hack simply because they want to steal your information. Uh, That's the simple thing. They want to steal someone's information, whether your banking information, want to steal your social security number, your passwords, you know, to different websites, uh, sometimes to your email. They want to get into that. They want to get into your social media account. And the goal of that is to ultimately impersonate you, right? They want to be able to act like you. So they get your information and you'll be able to get into your bank account, as if you're getting into the bank, uh, bank account. And obviously steal your money, steal your record, you know, and do, you know, different things. This has been going on for many, many, many years. But if you pay attention, the last few years, there's a different concept, there's a different type of hacking that has been discussed in, in, the, in the business world, in the technology world, It is what is called the human hacking, right? The idea that human beings, not just computers now, I want you to listen to this, can be hacked, right? We can be hacked. And this is what this means. And this is because there's so much information about us out there, and all of us should know this. 
There's a lot of information about us, which is called the biometric data, right? It is data about our biology, you know, our fingerprints, you know, our facial, you know, there's facial recognition technologies, there's technology that can detect who you are. There's a lot of technology that we wear, many of us wear, I wear an Apple Watch, all right? There's this collect information, information about my heartbeat, information about my heart rate, you know, sometimes information about your blood pressure, what is going on inside of you, you know? So there's a lot of data, huge data out there, which is called biometric data about all of us, that it is now possible for people to know you more than you know yourself. And that's, now, this is usually for a good reason. Also, there is what is called uh, the revolution in the computing power, the infotech revolution. That we now have computers, computers are now much more powerful than ever before. You know, can really go through a lot of data, analyze them, make sense of them, and do imaginable things. In fact... In a few years, maybe 10, 20 years from now, this will be more important than my doctor, right? Because this can tell you a lot of things about yourself, what is going on in your life. You know, the, you know these will be relied more and more. What is changing? What is changing, you know, about your heart rate? What is changing about your pulse? What is changing? This can be detected so easily and can save a lot of lives. Because most of us, we don't go to the doctors until we feel sick, right? Uh, but usually, it's probably a little late. A, a more damage has been done. But these devices, the ones or not, the ones we wear, can really detect these things, really, even at the beginning. And so there's a huge interest in this all over the world right now. One of the best things, uh, courses to study is biotechnology, right? Bioengineering, which is the, these are, uh, you know, technology to help human beings to improve our life so much so that it's going to be easy for someone to live up to 120 years in a few years from now. But there's a lot of concern about how these also can be used. Because there's so much information out there, we now have technology, and I want you to pay attention to decipher what you think, what you want, and a lot of time predict human choices and sometimes manipulate human choices. And that's conversation out there, if you've been paying attention, that we now have ability because of science, because of the advancement in biotechnology and infotechnology, there is now ability to create what is called algorithms, right, that understand me better than I understand myself. So someone can know I gravitate towards certain things that I don't even know myself due to facial recognition, for example. They can detect that I tend to look at blue when I don't even know. There's some things going on in our mind unconsciously that we're not even aware of, that you tend to look at certain women all right, without you knowing. They can know it more than you know. <laughs> and because now they have more information than you know about yourself, 
you can be manipulated. And that's something to, that's something to know. You can be manipulated. My, my desire, your desire can be manipulated to sell you things, to get you to vote for someone that you probably wouldn't vote for, to get you to buy something that you may not even buy because this can be manipulated. Things, this can be done. I mean, this, some of us are aware of this now, that you, you go online, you search something. There's a lot that is known about what you're searching. So a combination of what you're searching, a combination of where you go, a combination of your thoughts, because now your thoughts can even be detected. A combination of what is going on inside of you can now, now means someone can hack you. Someone can hijack you. Someone can begin to manipulate you without you even knowing. Someone can begin to control your mind, control your action. Someone can get you to go somewhere because they sit down somewhere. They say, this is what we want this person to do. And we know what to put at different places. We know what to get him to see. We can make him believe that everybody around him is doing this. Right? And because we now understand from social science, people like to do what their neighbors are doing, right? People like to do what other people around them are doing. So we can manipulate them and, think, and make them think everybody is doing this, so they do it. That concept is called human hacking. Mind reading is a technology that can give uh, scientists access to the human brain. Mental formation. These are concepts out there that, you know, if you like to pay attention to what is going on, science, these are things that scares you a little bit about where the future is going. But there's someone that has been doing this for a long time, which is really what I want to talk about. I gave you this introduction to get your interest so you understand what we're talking about, to let you know that all these things that I've described, the devil has been doing this since the beginning of age. The devil has been hacking human minds from the beginning. And that's what we're going to talk about for the next three Sundays, today and the next two Sundays. How to guard ourselves against the devil's manipulation. Just like the scientists... Just like the people in the infotech, the people in the biotech, the people in the advertising or marketing industry seek constantly to hack our mind and manipulate our mind, mess with our minds and desires and wants, the enemy has been doing that since the beginning of age. In fact, let's go to how Eve was tempted. In Genesis chapter 3, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 3 and read a few few verses there. In Genesis chapter 3, the Bible says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat of any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruits from the trees in the garden, but God 
did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. Let's look at verse 4. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. If you go to the next verse, which is not there, then the woman saw that the tree was good and the woman ate. Now, this would not necessarily be clear to you unless you understand that these, were, these are conversations going on in the mind of Eve. Eve wasn't talking to a physical person, per se. And we know that because exactly that's how the devil tempted Jesus. The devil came to him, you know, and began to speak to him. What the devil tries to do constantly is to hack our mind. You know, take over, take charge. The battleground for the enemy's job, the enemy's manipulation is our mind. Now, many of us, because of the background we grew up from, have been deceived to think the enemy is really operate externally. You know, many of us have been, you know, taught to believe that the enemy, you know, he uses somebody, there's someone, there's a witch somewhere, there's some, you know, in-law somewhere that is, you know, that is trying to kill you, that is trying to destroy you. There are some meeting, you know, people like to make this thing so graphic. You know, there's some meeting in the, in the, in the, in the underworld, in the dark world where they sat and they began to make meetings about you. Yeah, maybe that happens. But ultimately, the way that operates is by your mind to try to manipulate, infiltrate, usually sometimes violently, all right, by what we expose our mind to, you know, by what we really, really expose ourselves to, sometimes deceptively by causing us to believe in something wrong in order to be able to hijack our thought process. And I'm going to tell you why that is important, why our mind is so important to the devil and to God. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, let's look at one of the things, some of the things that the Bible says about the devil. What he, you know, let's look at how the Bible describes him. Number one, the Bible calls him a liar. Right? In John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus says, you belong to your father. He's talking to the Pharisees now. The devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. I love that. The devil has a native language. It's not English. It's lie. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So the enemy is a liar. The devil is a liar. One of his you know, key characteristics is to lie. When he speaks, he doesn't know how to tell the truth. He lies. He is a liar. He's a father of lies. So the enemy specializes in lying. Another thing the enemy specializes in doing is to accuse, deceiving and accusing. In fact, if you go to Revelation chapter 12, verse 9 and 10, describes him. This is when, you know, the enemy was hauled down. This is describing when the enemy, the devil, was defeated. 
in Revelation chapter 12, uh, verse 9, says, the great dark dragon was hauled down. These are imagery, obviously, of what he represents. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. So one of the devil's mission is to lead the whole world astray. Astray from where? Astray from God. You know, that's why it's really, really dangerous to believe in popular opinion. A lot of time what is popular is not always godly. You know, what is popular is not always God's way. All right? Because the whole world, you know, it's, it's one thing to lead a few people astray. It's another thing to lead the whole world astray. That means every other person who is not astray will look like they are the one astray. Isn't that what happens? If you're in a class of 100 people, 95 people, 95 of them believe in something that is wrong, that is a lie. What happened to the 5% that believes in the truth? You look like uh, the odd one out, right? You look like the wrong people. And that's what the devil does. He, has le- he leads the whole world astray. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah for the accuser of our brothers and sisters. This is angels now. This is people in heaven now celebrating. The accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hauled down. So the devil is an accuser. He constantly accuses us. And how does he do that? In our mind. He accuses us. You know, he accuses us, make us, you know, make us feel like we are guilty, make us feel like we are bad, we are good for nothing. That's all he does. There's another thing we know about him. He's a tempter. Right? He is a tempter. In Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4 describes the temptation of Jesus Christ. Uh, if you want to read, uh, and you start from verse 1. The Bible described the devil as the tempter came to him. What does it mean to tempt? To tempt is to lure away, right? To entice away, to seduce. He is a tempter. We also know something about him in John chapter 10, verse 10. His goal is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. We know what he's all about. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Does it sound like what hackers do? The hackers are trying to do the work of the devil on our computers, right? What are you trying to do on us now? And all these things that we've talked about, the tempting, the lying, the accusation, they happen in our mind. That's where they take place, our mind. That's the battlefield. That's where the battle is won or lost. What is going on in your mind? I have no doubt there are people here sitting that the enemy 
has really hacked your mind. You are believing something wrong. You've been deceived. Sometimes some of you have a different image of yourself other than what God has of you. Sometimes he deceives us by causing us to believe the wrong gospel. The book of Galatians. That's what the enemy did to the Galatians. They believe in the wrong gospel. That took place in the mind. Some of us, our belief about God has been altered by the devil. Because somehow he found, he has found his ways into our mind. And we are not able to think correctly, well, correctly. We are not able to see things correctly because we've been hacked. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I hope you've, been, you've not been hacked. <laughs> but if you have been, there is hope. There's hope. Amen. That's the good thing about our God. There is always hope in Christ Jesus. It's never late. It's never too late. Amen. Amen. Now, so why is our mind so important? This is an introduction. I'm going to end the message soon. It's not, you know, so you can come back next week. (laughs) And uh, I want you to invite your friend to come and continue this conversation with us. Now, why is our mind so important? The mind is the gateway, or let me say it this way. Our mind is like our central command system. You see, you can't have a great spiritual life without a sound mind. Hallelujah. No, the Bible says God has not given us the spirit of fear, right? He has given us the spirit of love, right? The spirit of power. And what? A sound mind. I want you to say, I have a sound mind. A sound mind is a mind that is intact, right? It's a mind that is intact, a mind that has not been manipulated, a mind that has not been damaged, a mind that can decipher things correctly, see things correctly, a mind that has not been manipulated by the devil. And that's what God gives us. So our mind is like our central control system, our central command system. That's where we make decisions, right? That's where we make decisions. That's where we, you know, that's where we make determinations. That's where we make judgment about situations, right? That's where we, that's why we decide who we like, who we don't like, who we love, who we don't love, where we go, where we don't go. There are so many decisions we make every day of our lives, not to talk of every year, and is the culmination of those decisions that make who we are. And currently, as you are sitting down, you are making decisions about tomorrow, about this evening, about this afternoon, about what you are going to do, about tomorrow, what you are going to do with your life, you know, what you are going to do with, you know, whatever. Our mind is so powerful and is a gift that God has given to us Our mind is also the gateway to our spiritual lives. Now, when we get saved, our spirit is saved. You know that, right? We've taught this over and over again, right? When we get saved, we are regenerated. We are given a new spirit. 
right? We're given a new heart. We're, you know, we are regenerated. We are reborn. We become born again Christians. God comes in because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary, and he gives birth to us, and we become new creation. What becomes new creation is our spirit, right? But we still have our mind. You know, our mind determines what happens to us ultimately. Our mind determines whether we even get to keep our salvation or not. Because we make, it's a gateway. It is through your mind that you absorb the word of God, right? Now, the word of God has to go deeper than your mind. Praise the name of Jesus, right? To, to, To affect you, to do you know, to become life, to become spiritual, to have impact, right? The Word of God has to go deeper than just your mind. I think I've told you the heart is that far end of the mind that connects your mind and your spirit. But your mind is, is the gateway. It's the gateway to your spiritual life. It's also where it's the gateway to receive from God, unless God can deal with our mind, we will be like robots, right? You know, God has to, you know, God has to put ideas into our mind, right? And he even allows us to process that idea, those ideas, right? And we are able to carry them out because we have sound mind. Some believers don't think mind is important, you know, so they they just put their minds away and they act mindlessly, you don't want to be around those people. Amen. Hallelujah. So mind is very important because it is the gateway to our spiritual life. That's where we get the word of God. That's where we get instruction. That's where we process things. That's where, you know, we imagine things. That's where we, you know, we give out information. We communicate. We receive. We give. And that's why if a mind is not sound, you cannot have a sound life. You cannot, you cannot have a sound spiritual life. You cannot even have a sound life at all. I want you to turn to your neighbor. You need a sound mind. And God has given it to you. But don't lose it to the enemy. Amen. Hallelujah. Our mind is also our data center. That's where we store information. Information about God, information about us, information about about our environment. That's why, you see, Christians wouldn't really work on their mind. Can't really do much. We can't really make much impact. We can't really advance with God. Christians who don't do something with their mind. So because it's the data center, it's where we store all this information. And it's amazing how much information that we store in our mind. You know, once you see people, there's a lot you know about them. You know, our mind stores things in our brain. You know, brain is our physical mind. Our mind is, is intangible by itself. There's physical brain where, obviously, you know, is the engine behind our mind. Hallelujah. Once you see someone, you know what happens? I mean, there's a lot of things you, 
assume about them. You've stored about them because of what you've taken in. It, and it affects how you deal. So unconsciously, we deal with people based on what we've stored about them in our mind. Constantly. Even these things go on without us, in, unconsciously, without us even knowing. We make judgment. We make determination. We make this constantly. And we store things about God. Many of us, what we believe about God is what has been stored. Maybe since when we were young. Sometimes churches we grew up from, environments we grew up from, gives us certain ideas about God that we store there. So the mind is the data center. No wonder the enemy wants to hack it. You see that? So the enemy can gain access to your mind, and he can manipulate you. And that's why that is more dangerous than what a witch is doing in a village. That's more dangerous. You know, because really, if you are a true child of God, you are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Those witches are not your problem. Wizards are not your problem. Except you are not born again. And I'll, and I'll be honest with you. If you are a true child of God, you should not be afraid of witchcraft, voodoo power. You should not be afraid of that. Demons, you should not be afraid of demons. Not at all. Right? Not at all. In fact, the Bible says these signs shall follow those who believe. It didn't even say to follow, you know, highly spiritual men of God. No. Follows those who believe. They cast out demons. So we should not be afraid of that. What we should be more afraid of is the condition of our mind. It's whether the enemy has been manipulating your mind or not. Whether your mind has been hijacked, whether he has the passcode and password to all those information that you have stored and is manipulating you and you believe it and you think you are acting right when you are not. You think what you believe about God, about church, about people is right when it's wrong. Have you ever believed something wrong about people? And you held it so true, right? You are convinced until you are confronted about the truth. And you found out that you have been foolish all along. How many of us have experienced that? We have all, we have all experienced that. That's the power of our mind. So it's very, very, very important for us to know that the mind. That's why the scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, 13. In fact, before I do that, uh, let me, let's read um, the scripture that we read today, 1 Peter 5, 8. 8 and 9. If you can display 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. I want all of us to read it together. Let's read it together. One, two, go. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Let's read the next verse. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that a family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same how clear can the Bible be? How clearer, sorry, can the Bible be? Go to, you say, go to verse uh, 9 again. Go to the first verse, sorry. The, the, verse 8, sorry. Verse 8. So be alert and of sober mind. All right? Be alert and of sober mind. Because that's where the battle is. 
You see, the word sober is the opposite of the word intoxicated, right? You know, to be sober means to not be under influence. Did you get that now? So you see that when you say you're sober, that means your mind is not being influenced. When, we, when you take alcohol, for example, the danger of alcohol is influences your mind, right? So you're not able to make adequate judgment, right? You start saying crazy things, right? You start saying, you know, dumb things, right? You know, if you are recorded when you are drunk and they play back to you, you say, no, that's not me, but, then, you know, right? Because you say crazy things, you do cra- you, are, you are impaired. You are not able to drive correctly. You are not able to walk correctly. You make wrong judgment. You think this step, you think there is no step, right? <laughs> or you think, it's, you think it's deeper than it is, and you, you make, and you fall, Right? What happened is that your mind is being impaired. You are under some influence. So what the Bible is saying here is we should not be under the influence of the devil. All right? We should make sure that we are not under the influence in our mind. All right? We should be alert. We should be alert and of sober mind because the enemy prowls around. Is looking for an ability to hijack, to hack into our mind, to insert himself into our thought process, all right? To manipulate our mind and to manipulate even what we are thinking, even what we are seeing. The Bible says somewhere in Titus, unto the pure, all things are pure. You know, if, if there's impurity, everything you see is impure. So we must be very, very careful. I would like us to read another, another uh, chapter, uh, passage, 1 Peter 1.13. 1 Peter 1.13, if you can go there, I mean, that, that should, you know, that, that, let's, I want us to read it together. 1 Peter 1 verse 13, can you go there and show it on the screen? Let's, okay, let's read it together. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober... Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to you. That is coming. Hallelujah. Look at what he said. With minds that are alert and fully sober. That is not under any external influence. The only influence we need to be under is God's influence. See, that's why renewing of the mind is very, very important. I believe that the greatest job we have after we become born again is to renew our mind, is to ensure that we have a sober mind, is to ensure that we are alert. You know, stop focusing on what is going on externally. Many of us, we focus so much on what is going on outside of us. I'm amazed how constantly people are concerned about other people, how they live their life, how they live their Christian life, how they are not working right, how they are not doing this to me, how they are not, how this preacher is not this, how this person is not this, oh, how someone is against me, oh, how the devil is doing this, how they, no, 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 no. You should be more focused on what is going on inside of you. If you spend... Half of your energy on your mind, you will be a far better Christian and a far better person. 
Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So we must constantly fight the devil's manipulation. I'm going to read the last scripture. I'm out of time, but I would like us to read 2 Corinthians chapter 10 uh, from verse 4 and f- I'll read for verse 4 and 5. Verse 4 and 5. Hallelujah. Amen. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Hallelujah. The, the weapon we fight with. Many, many people, that's, this is very important to many of us. Many of us here, obviously, we have African descent, even those of us who are not. Many of us who are from the Caribbean descent, we all have similar background when it comes to spirituality. You know, we think, we say we are fighting, we're fighting the devil, fighting the enemy, you know. And he say, look, really the fight is taking place in our mind. He said, we demolish strongholds. Strongholds are not necessarily, especially when it comes to us, what, things that are outside of us. And look at what he says. We demolish arguments. What are the arguments going on in you right now? You know, there's always argument. You know, that's, that's what conversation that Eve was having with the devil, right? The same conversation Jesus was having with the devil. It was like an argument. And he's saying that we have a weapon by the, by the Spirit of God, with the Word of God, to demolish arguments. And he says every pretension. You see, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. There's a lot of things going in our mind. There's a lot of activity of the enemy to try to dent our knowledge of God. Color it, mess it up, make sure it's not correct. And he's saying that we take every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We need to watch our thoughts to ensure it is not being hijacked or manipulated. Praise the name of Jesus. So that is the refight we have. We're going to continue next week, the conversation. We're going to have to stop here. But to let you know that this is, hacking is taking place. And it's been taking place since the beginning of age. And it's taking place right now. As you leave this place, it's taking place. The good thing for us as believers, though, is that we have the power of the Holy Spirit. We are fighting an enemy that has been defeated on the cross of Calvary. And if I, this is very true, and this is very important. We are fighting the enemy, the devil, as powerful as you think he is, as scary as you think the devil is, he has been defeated. All right? On the cross of Calvary, Jesus defeated him, right? Jesus defeated him, all right? That's why externally he doesn't have power over us, but he can hack you. And that's why, that's his weapon. He can manipulate you. He can manipulate your mind. He can, he can change how you think about God, all right? He can put fear into you, right? He can, he, can, he can deceive you about 
you know, how you act, how you think, how you live your life, what you believe, what you do. He can do all that, and he's achieving the same thing, right? He's achieving the same thing. He's, he's destroying your quality of life, destroying your faith in God, destroying your ability to live a fulfilled life, destroying our, your ability to receive things from God simply by hacking your mind, right? And manipulating your thoughts. Well, by God's grace, God is empowering us with knowledge. Amen. Amen. Through this series, God is empowering us with knowledge. Amen. By the power of the Holy Spirit, God is releasing his knowledge over in our mind, in our life, giving us the ability to take control, to take charge of our mind, to, to be sober, right? To resist every influence of the enemy. Hallelujah. And I'm going to pray tonight. I mean, this morning, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray, and I want you to bow down your heads. I'm going to pray. I'm going to bow down your head. I want you to bow down your heads. I'm going to pray for people who have been, man- you know, maybe the enemy has hacked you. You know, you're believing in a lie. You know, you're making wrong choices, and, you know, you're living certain lives because the enemy has manipulated you. So I'm going to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, I invite you now. I invite you. I invite you and I ask that you come into this place. And I pray for everyone here that has been lied to, manipulated, hacked by the enemy. The enemy has even erected strongholds in their mind, causing them to believe wrong things about themselves, wrong things about you, wrong things about faith, wrong things about your church, wrong things about other people, in order to manipulate them, in order to limit them, in order to rob them of your blessing and of your power. In the mighty name of Jesus, I come against every manipulation of the devil on your mind right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, devil, we command you to live right now in the name of Jesus. I declare you are free. Free right now. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we are praying. I have, before I go, I have one more thing to say. You know the reason why people don't accept Jesus Christ? 2 Corinthians 4, 4 tells us, the God of this age, if you can display that, I would like to say it because this is very important. It would not be right to close this without saying this. 2 Corinthians 4 4 says, I want us to read it together. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ with the image of Christ. Let's face it if someone truly sees what Christ did, it's, it's impossible to refuse Jesus Christ. I mean, it does not make sense. For you to reject Jesus Christ does not make sense. For people to reject Jesus Christ. I mean, those of us who have tasted it, it doesn't make sense. But now you, you understand why, right? What does the enemy does, do, do, rather? He blinds. Where? The mind. So it won't make sense. You know, they cannot see that light. The gospel will not penetrate. All right? He makes sure he blinds it. 
So in case you are here today, maybe it's, been blind, it's blinded your mind. You might have been in church. You might have been coming even here or you've been going to other places. And you just keep saying, you know what, tomorrow I'll give my life to Jesus. Oh, next week. You know, when I grow older, when I get married, when I'm 60 or 70, you know, the enemy has hacked you. He's been manipulating you. But you can break that manipulation today in Jesus' name. Yes. Hallelujah. So I'd like to pray for you. I'd like everybody to bow down their heads. Please, Blue. If you want to make that decision, you want to say, I'm no longer blinded. Please lift up your right hands. I'd like to pray for you. Don't thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Any other person? I want to give you 30 seconds. I'm sure there's somebody else. There's somebody else in this who needs to be prayed for. Who needs to say, you know what, no longer blind. Hallelujah. I'm no longer blind. Today I'm making that decision. And I want you to place that hand on your chest, please. Place it on your chest. And I want you to repeat after me. I want you to say, Father, I thank you for sending Jesus your son, to die for me on the cross of Calvary. Today, I accept that gift, and I confess with my mouth that Jesus died for me. He was buried, and on the third day, he rose because of me. Jesus, I invite you into my life. I make you my Savior today and my Lord, and I put my absolute faith in your offering, in your sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you made that decision, please make sure you fill out the tarot portion of the bulletin and make sure you put it in the offering basket when it goes around. I would like to join you in prayer. God bless you.